listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today, what I'm going to be uh, teaching on, I know people are still jumping on, share the broadcast, but um, I want to deal with this. We, we, we declared this, what would it have been? Monday night is February 28th. We had our prayer and communion service. And as we were praying, one of the things that we, um, we just started to say and declare is that March is going to be a month of miracles. March is going to be a month of miracles. And um, it just came right up out of our spirit. March is going to be a month of miracles. And I will say that God's miracle working power is, uh, it's never random. It's never just, he doesn't just arbitrarily pour out blessings. But God is looking for a specific kind of person. And uh, he's looking for people that will believe him. And so I wanted to kind of do a checklist today. Because there's nothing worse than, Uh, hearing people are receiving miracles and getting breakthroughs and all of that. And you, you're not getting anything. It's like, you feel like you're on the outside looking in and I don't want, that's not where I want you to be. I want you to receive your miracles in the month of March, what God has planned for you and your family. And so today we're going to do kind of like a checklist, if you will, on how to attract God's favor. Good morning, Bonnie. How to attract God's favor. How do we do that? Miss A, I love you too. Are there ways that we can attract that favor or as many people teach is the favor of God or the grace of God just unmerited? Now, the thing that I want you to understand about that, that word unmerited, of course, you've, you've heard this taught and preached. That means that there's nothing you could do, uh, to receive it, to get it, to provoke it. There's nothing you could do. It's not based on your merit. And I will tell you at the outset of this broadcast that there was only ever one grace, one grace that was unmerited, one favor that was unmerited. And that was God sending Christ to the earth. Nothing we could have done ever could have forced God to send Jesus to redeem us of our sins. There's nothing we could have ever done to provoke God uh, to send Christ. The Bible actually tells us that he sent his son because he loved the world. Not because of anything the world did or didn't do, but because he loved the world. That's why he sent his one and only son. And so there's nothing. And of course, the same time, I include with that uh, the sending of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, because it's all one action. That's why Jesus said that uh, when he's done, he, or when he died and, and, and was ascended, he wouldn't be done. He said, I'm going to pray to the Father, and he'll send you another comforter. He was saying, my mission's not done. I'm not going to leave you alone as orphans. I'm going to send you a comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. And so that entire act of redemption, Jesus included the sending of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, as part of the work that he would do. And so there was nothing we could have done to force God to send Jesus, to force God to send the Holy Spirit. He did those things 
because he chose to and he loves the world. That's why he did them. But after, after Jesus Christ being sent, uh, there are many ways that we can uh, provoke the favor of God, that we can um, draw near to God, if you will, and then see him draw near to us. And so that's what I want to really cover today, because if we're believing for miracles in this month of March, then we've got to set our faith to take the actions that provoke those miracles. We want to provoke those miracles. And so I'm going to show you from scripture that there are obviously ways that you can pursue the presence of God and that he will respond to your pursuit of his presence by faith and he'll respond by giving you more favor than you had before, more grace than you had before. So I want to start by looking at Psalm 75 and this is, um, this really opens your eyes to recognize how God operates and to understand how he, the power that he carries and what he does. Listen to Psalm 75 verses six and seven. The Bible says, for not from the east or from the west and not from the wilderness comes lifting up or promotion, but it's God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. So, so let that, let that sink into your spirit. Promotion doesn't come from any man. Promotion doesn't come from a government or a corporation or nothing. The Bible's clear. Promotion comes from the Lord. He puts one down. He lifts another up. So you might ask yourself, how do we make sure that we are the people that he's going to lift up every single day, every single week, every single month, every single year? I want to be the one that God is reaching out his mighty right hand and lifting me up head and shoulders above the rest. You know, it made me laugh. One time we were, I was teaching on something similar to this and I, I said that phrase that God will lift you head and shoulders above the rest. And somebody jumped into the chat and was like, well, brother, I hope you don't mean head and shoulders above my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I thought, how foolish can a person be that they don't even understand that even within the body of Christ, everybody's not at the same level. Everybody's not at the same level. And um, I want you to put that in the comments section because it's important to understand. Everybody is not at the same level, nor will they ever be. You know, to, even, did you know that even in heaven, not everybody's going to be at the same level? Not everybody will be at the same level in heaven. So put it in the comments. Not everybody is at the same level. And of course, they're not going to be. They're not going to be. And this is important for you to understand because like that person didn't understand. I hope you don't mean that God's going to lift me head and shoulders above my brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, it actually may mean that. It may end up being that way. Not because we want to see brothers and sisters in Christ at a low place. That's not why. But you have to remember something. You have to remember that not every believer is going to pursue God in the same way. Not every believer is going to pursue God in the same way. 
And that's why we have different levels of blessing, of faith, of maturity. Let, let's, let's break this down before we get into the means or the methods. Where, where, could, where could believers differ in their levels? Let, let's, let's start with that question. There's, there's really three main areas that I see um, that believers could differ from one another in their levels, right? The first one would be believers will differ from one another, and I'll go from the outside working in. Believers could differ from, differ from each other in the manifestation of God's power. Have you ever noticed that it seems like some believers are always seeing God work in their life? They're always seeing something come to pass for them. It's getting blessed, all these different things. Have you ever noticed that? And so the first level where you see believers differ is in God's manifestation of his power in their life. Some people, it seems like they go from struggle to struggle to struggle to crisis to crisis, and they're saved. They're, they're saved. They're on their way to heaven, but they go from struggle to struggle to struggle, crisis to crisis to crisis. Whereas other believers, it's like, man, they go from blessing to blessing to blessing, from increase to increase, and you're like, what, the, what is the deal? And so the first area where believers differ is in the manifestations of God's power in their life. So that's one area where you're going to, and I'm sure you already have seen it. I mean, if you have seen it, throw a hand up in the comments just to let everybody else know I've seen that take place. I know that there are some believers seem to always be getting blessed. Others seem to always be in a, in a mess. And so the first level is in God's manifestation of power in their lives. The second level um, that believers will differ, differ from each other without question is believers will differ from each other in their levels of faith. Not every believer is at the same level of faith. This is the second area where believers differ. The first is in the manifestation of God's power in their life. The second level is they differ in their levels of faith. Well, why is that? Because first of all, not every believer has uh, heard the same types of preaching and teaching. Not every believer has been a believer as long as others. So you have some that have been in the kingdom of God for 30 years and have heard tons of teaching on faith and other things. Well, they're obviously going to be at a different level of faith than somebody who just came into the kingdom of God, right? A brand new believer. So the second area is not everybody is at the same level of faith. You know, when Jesus had to deal with his disciples, you see different things in the scripture. You see Jesus uh, dealing with people who had no faith, right? So Jesus goes to Nazareth in Mark 6, encounters there his hometown crowd, and they don't believe him at all. And so what does the Bible say? And he marveled at their unbelief. So it's not that they had a little bit of faith. They had none. Love you, Jordan. They had no faith, right? But then Jesus speaks to his disciples in another part of scripture. And what does he say to them? Oh, ye of little faith. So you go from no faith to little faith. And then you could look at the story, for example, of the centurion to whom Jesus said, 
I've not seen faith like yours in all of Israel. He had great faith. This man had great faith. So we went from no faith to little faith to great faith. So you can even see in the scripture that not everybody is at the same level of faith. So the area, the second area where believers will differ is in their level of faith. The first in the manifestation of God's power in their life. The second is in their level of faith. Okay. And then the third area where you're going to see believers differ is in their level of maturity. That's the, that's the third level because here's what's, what's insane to me. You can have faith but still be immature in your life with Christ. You can have faith, but still be immature. Watch this. Here's one that'll blow your mind. I'll go back to the first area where they differ. You can have the manifestations of God's power. You can have the gifts of the spirit in manifestation and still be immature. And do you know how I know that? From, from the, the entire letter of first Corinthians. That's how I know that because that is one of the major themes that Paul deals with in his first letter to the Corinthians. And he starts off the letter by telling them that he thanks God for them, that he thanks God that they have an abundance of gifts and manifestation in their church. He said, you have all utterance, you have all knowledge, you don't lack any gift as you wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's in the first chapter. And so Paul's saying, man, you guys have tons of spiritual gifts at work. But then he gets to the third chapter and starts rebuking them and says to them, uh, you're like infants in Christ. I can't even give you uh, the meat of the word. I have to give you the milk of the word because you're babies and you're still infants. And so he's kind of, he's irritated with them. Because what have they done? They've refused to mature. They've refused to mature. And so look at these three areas. You can have miracles. And then you, you know that they're, they're operating in those things. Because he takes the 14th chapter to give them correction about not letting the gifts of the Spirit overwhelm their church services. That they should be done decently and in order. They had so many gifts in operation that it was causing confusion because they didn't know how to do it decently and in order. So they obviously could have an abundance of gifts, but notice something, they personally were still immature. Like the people in Corinth weren't anywhere close to the level of like the people in Ephesus. The Ephesians were far more mature than the Corinthians. And so you can see that in Paul's dealing with the churches. Well, that's still true today. People are still immature in the church today. Others are mature in the church. You say, well, how do you know if somebody's immature or if somebody's mature? Well, one of the ways that you can tell if somebody's at a, at a low level of spiritual maturity is how they receive correction, rebukes, reproof. If they can do it with a good spirit, and receive the correction and make the changes. Or if they get mad and offended and leave church and go somewhere else because I can't believe he would say that to me. That's a sign. That's a sign. So as we're talking about these things, 
you have to recognize that not every believer is going to be at the same level as every other believer. So as I said yesterday when Preston was with me, God's not a communist and he's not a socialist. He's not into the equal distribution of wealth. That's not how God functions. That's not how the kingdom functions. And so God's looking for people that are faithful and people that will pursue his presence, people that will come after him. And so that's why if you've ever heard me use the phrase uh, and encourage you not to put life on cruise control, you've heard me probably say that multiple times on this broadcast. And the reason that I say it is because those, are the, those aren't the types of people that God blesses with favor and the manifestation of his power. God's not looking for people that are just going to coast through life. The Lord is looking for people who are going to press in to his presence. And those are the ones that are going to see the power of God in manifestation. So get that out of your mind at the very beginning that every believer is on the same level. Every believer is not on the same level. We do have a responsibility to respond to God's word. We do have a responsibility to go after the things of God. And then the way we respond determines where we will be uh, in the body of Christ. So I want to give you kind of a checklist today. Now that we recognize that we need to pursue God for his favor and that not every believer is going to be at the same level. Now, let me, let me make one more, one more statement. Don't ever feel bad about where God's placed you because of your faithfulness, because other people aren't at that same place. Don't ever feel bad when God's blessed you. See, here, here's why it should be in our spirits, is because once we understand that God's blessing is a result of our response to his instructions, then we shouldn't feel bad when we obey him and he blesses us when we see at the same time, well, other people aren't at that level. No, but guess what? If they would do what the Bible says, they could be there as well because God isn't showing favoritism in that way. He will bless everybody that obeys him. And yes, Tara, we will definitely pray for you at the end of this broadcast. Stick with us. Believing for healing from cancer. We will pray. And so don't feel bad. You know, how can you feel bad when you say, well, they've got the same Bible I've got, especially when they're hearing the same teacher teaching that you have from the same pastor or whatever. And it's like, they just refuse to put these things into practice. They just won't do it. It's like they hear it time and time and time again, and they just won't obey the word. And so then God blesses you, and they remain at the same level. You can't look back and say, oh, I can't, I don't want to be up here. If they're not going to be up here with me, I, I don't want to be up. No, they don't want to do what you're willing to do. So don't ever feel bad. And the devil will try to make you feel bad for where God's placed you. And that's a way to keep you from moving to higher places that, like God wants you to. Listen, not everybody is going to go to the next level. Just trust me on this. Trust me on this. Don't, don't 
don't be, feel bad. Not everybody's going up to the, to the next level. That's why I don't like hearing preaching like that on television where so everybody that's watching me tonight, get ready. You're getting ready to go to another level. Double portions coming on you. Into, it's like not for everybody. Not for everybody. For the obedient. For the faithful. Yes. I'll pray for you, Frank. Yes, for the obedient, for the faithful, but not for everybody. Not for everybody. And so let's, let's look at a, a few of these areas. How can we put ourselves in position to attract that supernatural favor of God so that we're not just coasting through the month or through the year and not receiving what God has for us? Uh, and, and all of these, by the way, will require us to become very introspective about our lives, all right? Look with me at James chapter four. And um, let's, let's look at a couple of verses here in James chapter four. And truly, you may have this heading in your Bible. James is warning the believers against worldliness or carnality. But notice what he says here, James chapter four and um, let's, uh, let's look at verses six and seven and eight. The Bible says, but God gives more grace. So let's stop right there. Here's an area where James is teaching on people to whom God will give even more grace than others have, more favor than others have. And, and how is that going to function? But God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So here's the first area that you can always keep in check that will allow you to attract the favor of God. And that is by ensuring that there is no pride in your life. So number one, remove all pride. This is a sure way, a sure way to attract the favor of God. Remove all pride. Put it in the comments. That's number one. And notice this. Submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. In order to do any of these things, you have to remove pride from your life. Humility has to be your personality. Meekness has to be your personality. Humble before God, knowing that he's the one who's truly great. I'm his child. I'm his servant. He's the one who is truly great. He gives grace to the humble. But how crazy is this? When you read that phrase, he opposes the proud. You know, pride, I've said this before on the broadcast, pride puts you in opposition 
to God. I don't ever want to get to a place where God is my opponent. (laughs) I don't want to ever get to a place where God is my opponent. He opposes the proud, but he gives more grace to the humble. And so when we keep ourselves in a place of humility and meekness, God can easily, easily deal out more favor, deal out more grace to those types of people. And so when you, when you really, uh, when you really think about it, what is the greatest form of humility? You know, everybody always says be humble, but nobody ever really breaks down. Like, what does that mean for a Christian? You know what I mean? It's like, what does that mean for a Christian? Be humble, okay? How do I actually practically do that? And so I want to give you this because I don't think, I've never heard anybody truly teach on that. So before we move on, let me me break it down. How do I truly put myself in a place of humility or meekness? What does that look like for a believer? Here's what it looks like. It looks like this. First of all, understanding that God's ways and his thoughts are higher than your ways and your thoughts. That's Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. The first thing is understanding his ways are higher than mine. His thoughts are higher than mine. So look at the next verse, though. Verse 7. He gives more grace to the humble. Verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore. Okay. Look at that. That's the clue right there. That is the clue. Submit yourselves, therefore. If we were to look that up, and I think we should, the word submit. Let's look up the definition. Here it is. Are you ready? The word submit, it means to accept or yield to a superior force or to the authority or will of another person. Let me read that again so you get it in your spirit. To submit is to accept or yield to a superior force or to the authority or will of another person. You see that? So what we're doing truly when we submit is that we are yielding to his superior force, to his authority and to his will. So you ask yourself the question, how is that done? Very easily. His written word is his will. His written word is his identity, if you will. And when you submit, the way that you are submitting is you're saying, Lord, whatever your word says, I will do. That is truly, people think it's, it's much more complicated than that. It is very, very simple. That is truly what it means to submit yourself to God. 
whatever his word says, I will do. I'll not argue with his way. I will not try to modify his way. Whatever he says, I will do. Fully submitted. Fully submitted. And so people say, well, how do I know I'm not in pride? Pride says, I'm going to do what I want to do. Pride says, I'm going to do it my way and I don't care what he says or what he thinks. But true submission says, no, I'm going to do it his way. I'll do it by his word. He knows better than me. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And so I'm submitted. That's truly all it is to be submitted to God. That's truly all it is to remove pride from your life. Pride simply accepts, or excuse me, humility simply accepts and obeys God's word. So if you want to put that in the comments, it would be a great, great definition for people to keep. Humility accepts and obeys what his word says. Humility accepts and obeys what his word says. That's the easiest way to understand it, to get pride out of your life. That's the quickest way. Well, that means then, doesn't it, that you have to have his word in you. His word has to be in you. So that takes us on to number two. First of all, we remove pride. But what's, what's a second thing that will attract God's favor into your life? Well, it's number two, knowledge of his word. Knowledge of his word. Go with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And here you're going to see the second method or, or, or avenue to receive favor and attract the favor of God. Attract the favor of God. Um, Peter writes this, and in his greeting... He says something very interesting. And um, in the second verse, part of his greeting, he says this. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. But how? In the knowledge of God and of Christ Jesus, our Lord. May grace and peace be be multiplied to you. How? Through the knowledge of God and of Christ Jesus, our Lord. So let me ask you a question. What, what is or where can you find knowledge of God? The only place in the universe that you can find knowledge of God is in his written word. That's it. There is no other place where you will find the knowledge of God. That's it what he's given us in the written word. So this verse truly, the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ comes through the inspired, inerrant word of the living God. That's how it comes and that's where it comes from. So the same way would be to, to say, uh, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of his word. In the knowledge of his word. So if you want to attract the favor of God, not just remove all pride from your life, but continually build your knowledge of his word. 
continually build his knowledge or your knowledge of his word. So vitally important. The more of that knowledge you have, according to Peter, the more grace and peace will be multiplied to you. So don't, don't say, don't say that, well, you know, grace is unmerited favor. No, grace is not unmerited favor. Not always. Only Christ was unmerited favor that was grace. But truly, all grace, all favor that's uh, after Christ is merited. Notice, I have to do something to get pride out of my life. I have to do something to build my knowledge of the word of God. So these are things God said, when you do that, then I'll do this. When you uh, humble yourself and submit yourself, then I will establish more favor. When you... Uh, Build your knowledge of my word, then I will release more favor. So notice these things are all merited because they're based on something that you're doing in response to his instruction. And I love that passage from James that we just read where in the eighth verse, it says, draw near unto God and he will draw near unto you. So, so notice that, that after Christ, we then take the first step toward pursuing God. We take the first step toward pursuing God. Hebrews 11, chapter six, the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And those that come to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those that seek him. So, so notice this, he's not rewarding everybody. He's rewarding those who seek him. How can you seek him? One of the quickest and easiest ways to seek him is to fill yourself with the knowledge of his word. Everything that can be known about God is found in his word. Everything that can be known about God I don't think people get that. I'm going to say it again. Put it in the comments. Everything that can be known about God is found in his word. You're not going to learn something about God from some private revelation that the Holy Spirit gave you. If it's not available to all believers, it's not real. Everything that can be known about God is found in his word. This, this is actually quite a big point that I hope you get. Everything, everything that can be known about God is found in his word. You say, are you serious? What about the voice of the Holy Spirit? Well, here's, here's, here's the thing. What if you hear this thing that you believe is a revelation what are you, how do you, how can you confirm that it is the Holy Spirit? See, that's the question. How can you confirm that it is the Holy Spirit? Don't we judge everything and weigh everything against the written word of God? Of course we do. Of course we do. And so everything that can be known about God is found in his written word. And that's it. 
And that's why when you fill yourself with the knowledge of the word, you are attracting more and more favor. Because you know what you're going to find? You're going to find more instructions from God that are going to, when you yield to them, bring more blessings, more increase, more healing, more all those things found in his word. You know, Paul would have never written to Timothy, never, and said to him, like, for example, let me read it to you. He never would have said to Timothy that all scripture that's breathed out by God is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness, that the man of God may be what? Complete. And equipped for what? Every good work. How could you be, listen to this, how could you be complete and equipped for every good work if you didn't have everything that was necessary to do the work of God? That's why he said all scripture, this is the scripture, this is the scripture. No more scripture is coming, by the way. No more scripture is coming. The canon is closed. We have the word of God preserved. No more scripture is coming. So what we have is what it is. And notice he said this scripture is profitable so that you might be complete and equipped for every good work. So if there's no more scripture coming, then other than the written word of God, you've got everything you need to fully accomplish your purpose and to fully be equipped and to be fully in position for anything that you may need to do in the future. All that can be known about God is found in his written word. Well, this is one of the reasons that the knowledge of the word brings such increase and brings such favor is because this word, this source that we're teaching about today, it is God's most powerful uh, uh, form of his glory. It is him. His word is him. That's why it carries such power. The Lord is his word. The Lord is his word. And so I want you to get this. If you want to attract favor, remove pride. And number two, continue to build your knowledge of God's word. Hallelujah. Continue to build your knowledge of God's word. Let me go further then. What's a, what's a third way? To attract the favor of God. A third way to attract God's favor is to keep yourself in his presence. I want you to, uh, I want you to put that in the comments. Number three, remain in his presence. I've always found it interesting when people want to make the argument that because God is everywhere, we're just always in his presence. And while that might be true technically, we know that it's not true in practicality. Because what we really mean is that we have to activate his presence. Because yes, God is everywhere. But we've got to activate the presence of God. Keep yourself in his presence. And of course we know that one of the ways to do that is by constantly giving him 
praise. And I teach this often because I don't feel like people do it. Definitely not as often as they should. Remain in his presence. Well, one of the, I've taught you that one of the quickest ways to activate God's presence is to praise him constantly. Constantly, every day. Every day. And, and what, that, what does that do? It not only pulls you into his presence, it pulls you into, here's what I've always taught, everything that comes along with God's presence. So there's many scriptures I could t- take you to and I could quickly show you that God's presence is not just solely God's presence. What do I mean by that? Well, there are things in his presence like fullness of joy, like freedom and liberty, the Bible says, like healing. All of these things are in God's presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or liberty. There is healing in his presence. There is all these things. They travel with God. Protection is in his presence. So if you're taking actions, did you ever think about this? If you're taking actions that are pulling you into his presence, then other people who are looking at you, they might just say, well, God, you know, God released a blessing to them when they don't even realize that what really happened was that you just continually activated his presence. And by being in his presence, those things just got on you. It's not that there was, it's not that you like prayed and asked God for joy. It's just that you praised him and stayed in that atmosphere until you couldn't help it. Joy was all over you. Freedom was all over you. You used to be addicted, used to have, but now freedom. You just stayed in that presence until it was all over you, all over you. And people think, well, man, maybe he prayed and got an answer. Maybe she, maybe she, got, No. You just stayed in his presence until what travels with him was all over your life, all over your life. And so that's what I'm talking about. It's remaining in his presence. That's number three. That attracts his favor because when you're in his presence, see the psalmist knew this. He had, he had a revelation. He had a revelation of the power that was inside the presence. And that's why he said in, Uh, Psalm 84, he said, uh, better is one day in your courts than a thousand days anywhere else. Get that now. The psalmist knew this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand days anywhere else. Watch this. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Hallelujah. Do you see that? I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in that tents of wickedness. Well, the tents of wickedness may have been filled with gold and silver and all choice foods and all these other things, but the psalmist knew that even the lowest person, even the lowest person 
in the presence of God has far more than what's in the tents of wickedness. You know, it's part of the story of the prodigal son, if you, if you remember that story, that um, when you look back, when you look in to the prodigal son story, he's out, he's left his father's house, he's left the family, he's left his father's presence, he's left his covenant relationship, and he's out living in the world, doing his own thing, riotous living, the Bible says, and he finds himself in his lowest possible state. He did it his way, and now what's the result of his way? He's in the midst of a pig pen, eating the slop that other pigs have to eat, sitting in there filthy, dirt. And you know what he said to himself? Get this in your spirit. He said, I've got to just go home. I've got to just go back where my father is. I've got to get back in his household. I got to get back in his presence. Notice what, notice the thought. He said, because even my father's servants, this is such a revelation to somebody. Even my father's servants eat better than this. Even my father's servants live better than this. See this to me, this is the thing that, this is the thing that really, uh, helps us to understand Psalm 84. Notice, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. That's what the prodigal son is saying. I got to go back. Maybe he will even take me in as one of his servants because even his servants eat better than this. Even his servants live better than this. That's the revelation. That's the realization that even whoever might even be the lowest, in the kingdom of God is far greater than anybody who dwells in the tents of wickedness. No question about that. And so what, what are we recognizing? That if we will remain in his presence, that's where the blessing is. Remain, that's where the favor is. Even the servants eat better than this. Glory to God. Even the servants. It, it got me stirred up because I started to I started to think about the different things that would keep us in his presence. Praise is definitely one of them. But you know what another one is? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Paul told them he said, if you will pray in the Holy Ghost, you will actively build up your faith. Won't give you more. It'll take the faith you have and build it up to the next level. Not only that, it will also encourage you. So these, all these actions to keep ourselves in his presence, all the things that are in his presence get attached to us. And it doesn't it look like divine favor? I mean, it really does. To everybody that's on the outside looking in, they're like, man, she's always so peaceful. Man, full of joy. 
Nothing holding her back. Man, walking around. I mean, you, you go through all these different things that are his presence. Totally free. Not bound, not depressed, not anxious. I mean, like with all this going on in the world, and you don't have it. And it looks like, oh man, they've just had a manifestation of God's power. When in reality, oh man, get this. It's not that God came and met with me. It's that I went and met with him. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. It's not that God just decided, I'm going to come down and go have a meeting with him. No, it's that I said, I need his spirit. I need his presence so much that I am going to go meet with him. And I have made a choice, like the Bible says, to draw near unto God. And he is drawing near unto me. I pursued his presence with praise. I pursued his presence by speaking in tongues. I pursued his presence. I want to be where he is. I want to, I want to have what he is. See that? We're activating his presence, which activates his power. So the third way that you can attract the favor of God is to remain in or activate his presence. So number one, remove all pride. Number two, increase your knowledge of the word. Number three, remain in his presence by praising him, by speaking in tongues, by being in his house and receiving from the word when, the, when your pastor is preaching. Remain in God's presence. Number four, the fourth way that you can, without a doubt, provoke the presence of God and this one's hard for some people, but that's where the maturity level is. Be quick to obey. I want you to put that in the comments. Number four, quick to obey. Quick to obey. When God speaks, we are quick to obey. Hallelujah. Quick to obey. Now, he may speak through his word, or it might be through a leading of the Holy Spirit, which we talked about that, talked about the power of being led by the Holy Ghost. And he may give you a leading by the Holy Ghost. He may speak to you about something to do, where to go. It might be something like that. But whatever, whether you get a word from the written word, or whether you get a, a leading of the Holy Ghost, whether it's a logos or a rhema, then you got to obey quickly. And someone quoted it earlier in the broadcast in the comments section. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. The good. The good. You know, it's important to quickly obey. It's important to quickly obey. When you do, you know, I've, I've said this before on the broadcast, but think about it. Delayed obedience is the same as disobedience. Delayed obedience is the same as disobedience. It looks the same too. Has the same outcome too. The thing is not done yet. It's like if I, I always use this example because I used to do it. I'd get sent in to clean my room and I'd start cleaning my room and then I'd find a cool toy that I hadn't seen in a while because it was under a bunch of junk that I'd let left just like sitting around. It was pushed under my bed or pushed in the back of my closet or, and I'm cleaning my room and I find this toy that I hadn't seen in a while. 
And then I sit down and start playing with it because I missed that toy. And I, want, I was wondering where that was. And I start having fun with the toy and looking at it. My room's a mess. And my dad or mom comes up. I thought I told you to clean your room. Well, I am. I'm in the midst of I'm in the midst of it. Well, no, it's delayed obedience. But see, when they look in the room, the room still looks like it hasn't been cleaned. Well, that's the same result as if I'd said, no, I'm not cleaning my room. No, I'm not cleaning my room. Well, that's the same end result. So delayed obedience looks the same as disobedience. And that's why I said, number four, be quick to obey. Be quick to obey, man. The Lord, when the Lord tells you one of the greatest compliments I think I've ever received from someone is uh, there was a couple talking to my wife and I regarding our, our uh, ministry and life and everything. And they said, man, you guys move so quick. And they were talking not about like, you know, moving to different places. They were talking about when they said, man, when you, when you get an idea where God gives you something, it's like, you don't wait around. You just go do it. You just like do that thing. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to wait for two years. I don't want to wait a year. If the Lord tells me to do something, I want to quickly obey. Why? Because the blessing, the favor that comes is in that quick obedience. It shows you that it shows the Lord you trust him and you trust his voice. And yeah, that stuff may seem crazy sometimes. Yeah, it might seem like that. And that's it. That's that's a insane. But no, if God told you to do it, Preston and I dealt with this. When we were talking about trusting God. That when you hear His voice, I think you can go back and watch this on uh, uh, what was it Monday? You can go back and see. We talked about that a lot of times when you get that instruction from God, it may seem crazy to your mind or your flesh. It may not make logical sense in the natural realm. And we, we dealt with Isaac, how when God told Isaac, don't go down to Egypt like your father did, but go to a place that I will show you and I'll bless you there. And the place God showed him was Gerar and there was a famine in the land. Total famine. He said, yeah, go move there. Move to where there's a famine and then sow in the land. And he obeyed anyway. Quick obedience. And it doesn't seem like it always makes sense to your natural mind. But that's all right. Because if it's by the Holy Spirit, his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. Glory to God. Glory to God. And so quick obedience. Now that's either obedience to his written word or it's obedience to his voice as he speaks. Either one. Either one. But when you obey, that's why I always quote those verses about, you know, it's like, okay, let's talk about David, man after God's own heart. He pleased God with his life. Even though he made some mistakes, the Lord said, that's a man after my own heart. Even in a moment where David should have said, you know what? I'm going to just go on ahead and get my family back. They've all been taken by raiders, wife, children, you know, and my men, their wife and children have been taken. We're just going to go after them and get our wife and children back. But he didn't do it. He first prayed. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, in your, what, what, if I go, will I be successful? Because what he was saying was, if you don't tell me to do it, I'm not doing it. Because I want to do everything I do through instruction from the Lord. 
I want to do everything I do through instruction from the Lord. You see that? And so the Lord said, yes, go and pursue the men and you'll be successful. You'll recover all. He wouldn't even do it without first something he could be obedient to. Why? Because he understood the principle that it is God that makes these things happen. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. That's it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman walk the walls in vain. Doesn't matter. If God's not in it, I don't want to be in it. And then number five, the fifth way that you can attract the favor of God to your life. You know, my wife and I were going back and we were just kind of rehearsing how amazing it was what God did in our lives last year. And even this year at the beginning, we were like rehearsing it, like how, how amazing of a year it was and all the things that came to pass, all the things God did in one year, it was mind blowing. And then after we did that, my wife came to me, she said, you've got to see this. And she showed me not all of our giving, just our giving to our local church. And we did much more than that. But we looked at that number and we thought to ourselves, are you serious? That in one year, in one year, we gave that much just to the church? Not to mention all the ministries that we give to and all the other things we do to bless people. I sat back and thought, are you serious? Are you serious? Well, then you start to recognize. You start to recognize. All of the things God did were in result or were in response to. They were a result of the seeds that we sowed. And it was mind-blowing. And you, you know God works that way, but like you don't think about it like that on a day-to-day basis. You just obey the Lord and you obey his word. And you get back and think, man, that was an explosive year. And then you check your giving statement and you're like, oh, <laughs> I can see now why that was such an explosive year. I told you guys the testimony, didn't I? That, that I told you the testimony that our accountant thought we'd made a serious error before we turned our paperwork into the accountant and that was for 2020 and she was like no she was like you've sent us the wrong numbers and we were like no we didn't send you the wrong numbers this is this stuff's been triple checked triple checked line by line and she's like are you serious like yeah that's the numbers she was like wait a minute and of course she's referencing 2020 And she goes, are you telling me that you guys doubled in 2020 from where you were at in 2019? And it's like, yes, that's what we're telling you, that we doubled, that we doubled. In a year that it seemed like everybody should have been shutting down and closing up shop, we doubled. We doubled. And that's exactly what took place. And I I recognize that every year it goes higher, but I go back and look and it's like, man, that dedication, that seed sowing takes us to another level every single year. 
Liz is giving her testimony. She said, told Carolyn about doing her tax return this year and could not believe it. And the first thing she thought of was Kingdom Slice. Hashtag Kingdom Slice. That's exactly right. Lynn said, that's my story. My giving will be far greater than even what I earn at my job. I'll look back each year and be amazed at the amount of increase. That's right. Lena said, fun fact, she noticed that her 2021 giving is just shy of her of 10% of her new salary, which, you know, people talk about tithing by faith. She did it without even knowing it. That now she was setting herself up through her seed for this new... And, and, and she shared that testimony with us that even though at her job, she's never seen anybody do anything more than a 3% raise that when they called Lena in, they sat and gave her 10 and a half percent raise over three times what anybody else has ever gotten. Think about that. Think about that. Janine said, it's my story as well. It's going to be all of our story because that's how God rewards his faithful children. Hallelujah. Liz said, I gave almost half my income for the year and have no idea how. God makes a way. See, he knows those who are his. He knows the faithful ones. He knows the ones that are willing to step out and just be literally living on faith. Living on faith. I actually wish Liz and Lena could meet because they would be very great friends, wouldn't they? To Lena Perez and, and Liz Mendez. Yeah. They would be like very good friends. I wish they could meet in real life. It's time for another partner banquet. Um, but it, I'm telling you, it, it, it's, it, Rosie said, it's my story too. See, look at what God's doing. That's right, Gina. God is a rewarder. Of who? Those that seek him, those that seek him, Sarah said, sowing and reaping works 100% of the time. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. And that's why I said, number five, you got to look back and say, this is the key. If I want to provoke God's favor, I'm going to take my seed sowing to a whole nother level. If I want to provoke God's favor, I'm going to take my seed sowing to a whole nother level. And when you do, it's part of his covenant. He rewards you. He rewards you. And I'm just going to tell you, Leslie's saying the same, same here, blown away by her giving, how much she made. And it increases every year in the world. They'd say that's impossible. That's impossible. But in God's system with God, all things are possible. Right, Brit's giving her testimony again. Business explosion. Look at that. Trusting God. Nancy's trusting God for a harvest overseas. It's coming. God always does what he said he will do. Laura said she gave, they gave an extra large offering in February and have already gotten it back with more on top. That's the harvest. That's the harvest. And I'm telling you, this is how God responds and reacts to his faithful ones. So again, provoking the favor of God. We're going to have a march full of miracles. We're removing all pride. Increasing our knowledge of the word. Praising God. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Oh, quick obedience.
to his instructions. And then number five, we're going to sow seed like we never have. I started, I started sowing stuff and started just giving. And Karen's like, are you going to give that? Yeah. You're going to give that? Yeah. And she, and so I'm just telling you. And of course she's one of the most giving people I know, but I just made up my mind. I'm just going to start giving and giving and give it, dropping seeds all the time, dropping seeds all the time. <laughs> and God's going to bless us so abundantly for it. This is going to be an explosive year, explosive year. Stuff's already happened. I can't even, I can't share it all with you yet, but stuff has already happened. We've, we've received the largest blessings that we've ever received in just the beginning of this year. Leslie said, I was out of work in January due to not to being obedient, to not obeying the mandate and made more in these past two weeks than I've ever made in a month, people tipping me 50% tips. Come on, come on, God is good. Jeremy Miller said, largest offering ever given while we almost lost our home. As of yesterday, in two months, I got a new job, we're completely out of debt, first time in two years, we're caught up on all of our bills. Look at that. Come on, Jeremy. That's next level. That's next level. And that's how God works. He does, and people are like, how did that happen? It's called a wonder. Makes you wonder how it happened. Makes you wonder how it happened. <laughs> and God's doing big things, man. Big things. Big things. You know, Lauren, there's not really any there's not really any passages of scripture that define that. You know, people like to use Malachi chapter three, but uh, there was no local church at the time Malachi three was written. There was no local church. And uh, it goes to the kingdom of God, um, but it, go, it goes into the kingdom of God. Um, what you're, Lauren, what you're describing, people that are in need, that would be more akin to uh, what the Bible talks about blessing the poor. Or it, they used to call it almsgiving or blessing the poor. And we're supposed to do that too. But that's not what our tithe is. Our tithe is separate from almsgiving or blessing the poor. So are offerings. Offerings are different than alms for the poor, blessing the poor. But of course you should do that, Lauren. You should bless those that are in need, the Bible tells us to. And so get ready. This is going to be a march to remember. This is going to be a march filled with miracles. And I'm believing God for it. I want to pray over every one of you that are watching and listening. Because I've got my expectations set very, very high. As I know that you do. As I know that you do. And so, I want to join my faith with you today. And, and then I'll answer Sarah's question after we pray. But I want to I wanna pray for you because I'm believing for increase like you've never seen. I want to see God explosively bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're a God of blessing, that you're a God of favor, that you're a God who always is watching over your faithful ones. I pray today for everyone that's watching me and listening, those that are faithful. Lord, let this be a month that completely blows their mind in Jesus' name. Now, we thank you that it's our year of divine possession. We thank you that you're doing things for us that are unprecedented. We thank you that property's coming into our hands. 
We thank you that doors are opening up, jobs and better jobs becoming available, raises, bonuses. We thank you, Lord, for new clients. We thank you that you're opening doors that have never opened before. We'll go where we've never gone. We'll do what we've never done. We'll have what we never had in Jesus' name. But Lord, we pray now that you would speak a word into your people today. Give us all an instruction about what kind of seed we can sow, and we'll obey it. Quick obedience is our story in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, shout amen. I'm encouraging you, sow a seed at the end of this broadcast, and do what the Lord's telling you to do, and watch. Watch how God will bless you. Sarah asked the question a moment ago, um, do we just ask the Lord about good ground and then sow it? Uh, This is an interesting... Uh, topic, Sarah, and I want to say this because I could probably do a whole broadcast just on this thought, but there's not really anywhere in the New Testament that tells us how to quote unquote identify good ground. In fact, the good ground principle is actually something that was taken from the parable of the sower. But the parable of the sower has nothing to do with sowing financial seeds. The parable of the sower, if you read the story, it's about the one who sows the word of God into people's hearts. And it's talking about their heart being good ground to receive the word of God and produce fruit with it. And of course, there were four types of ground. There was the footpath, stony ground, thorny ground, and good ground. And so when you hear somebody talk about good ground, truly God's kingdom is good ground. Now, you might just use natural wisdom. You know, there might be ministries that really aren't doing anything. (laughs) And so I do like to make sure uh, that I give where the Lord tells me to give. I, I am spirit led in my sowing. No question about that. But there's other times when I'm not led by the spirit and I just, I'm a giver and I feel to give personally. I just want to give to something someone's doing or to a certain person and I'll do it. It's like Paul told the church in Corinth, second Corinthians nine, you must each decide in your heart what you will give. So I don't really put a whole lot of stock in that thought about good ground, quote unquote, because that's not what those scriptures are about at all in any way, not even in context. So I don't put a whole lot of stock in that. Now, I have noticed on the flip side, and and keep this in your mind, I have noticed that there are certain ministries that when I give to them, there is a quick and explosive return on that giving. Now, I don't know if that's coincidental. I don't think it is. I I can't think necessarily of um, uh, a scripture reference that backs that up, but I have noticed it, that certain ministries, when I sow to them, I see quick and explosive returns. Um, Nancy asks the question, does every ground produce a harvest? Well, I, uh, I would say this, Nancy that we know we're supposed to be givers. That's, there's no argument about that in the Bible. Tithers and givers, no question. And so when we obey the word of the Lord, 
here's the other thing. It's like, you don't know everything. So how could God judge you for so, well, for example, what if there was a ministry where like you didn't even know it, but they were like embezzling all the funds or there was something crooked going on behind the scenes or the one that was in the ministry was on drugs or you don't know. You don't know until it comes out. So God's not going to judge you and say, well, you sowed into bad ground, so there's no harvest coming to you. No, you're doing it in response to his word. Instruction, obedience. Instruction, obedience. They will answer for their indiscretions, but you are obeying the word of God. And so I don't necessarily look at it that way. I look at it more like wherever God's placed me, I'm going to be a sower there. I'm going to be a giver there. I'm going to be a blessing there. I'm going to bless the work of the kingdom. I'm going to uh, be somebody that walks in a spirit of generosity, and I'm going to trust God that my harvest will come back. Remember this important, important principle. We're not giving to men. We're giving to God. And I love that Hebrews chapter seven tells us that though he's in heaven, Jesus, he receives our tithes and our offerings personally in heaven. And so I don't ever look at it and say, well, I'm giving to a man. I am giving even when I do it. Jesus said this, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. So even if I bless a preacher like my pastor or another minister, even if I bless them personally, I don't care if well, it's not about them, although I love and appreciate and honor them, but I'm actually doing it as under the Lord. I'm doing it. I'm put, it's like putting it into the hands of Jesus himself because I do it as under the Lord. And I know that the Lord's the one that will bless me for my obedience. So I want to encourage you, those of you that are watching, those listening, to sow that seed. Whatever the Lord, uh, that's right, Jody. Whatever the Lord tells you to do, there's the uh, information. You know how to do it. You can go to the website, uh, miracleword.com, all the ways to give her there. And for those that are partnering with us in the month of March, we wanted to put this book in your hand by Brother Kenneth Hagin, I Believe in Visions. I Believe in Visions. This is a powerful book. I got this in Bible school. Uh, it'll open your eyes and build your faith. For those that are standing at the next level, $250 or more, we're also including Dr. Richard Booker's expanded edition, The Miracle of the Scarlet Thread. I got this at Rama as well. This is a book that'll show you how that gospel message of redemption, it, it's woven through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, it's, it's an amazing book. And on top of that, we're going to send those of you that are sowing $1,000 or more one of my favorite study tools, the Net Bible with 60,000 translators notes. I love this. I use it all the time. If you'd like to receive any of those after you've sown, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. And uh, we want to send it to you and be a blessing to you. I love you guys so very much. Um, Carolyn's going to be live today, 2 o'clock p.m. on all platforms. Don't miss her broadcast. And um, I'll be back with you in the morning. I'm so excited for what we're going to do in March. I'm looking forward to this new course opening up on uh, March the 28th, how to study the Bible. I can't wait for you guys to be a part of it with me. We're going to go through these Bible studies together and uh, it's going to build your faith, but also give you knowledge about how to rightly divide scripture, how to never be caught in a place where you uh, made a mistake when studying the Bible or you didn't, you, you didn't even realize that that didn't even mean that. And those, those things will be picked up. You'll see 
how to go through scripture and, uh, and rightly divide that scripture. You'll love it. It's going to be great. Registration opens up on March the 28th and um, it's going to be amazing. Cannot wait to start. I cannot wait to start with you guys. I love you so much. Have a wonderful day. Carolyn, we'll see you at two o'clock. I love you. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.